Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today I sit down with three-time surfing world champion Mick Fanning. The sights and sounds here at Jeffrey's Bay as the celebratory chair up the beach for Mick Fanning once again. So incredible to see his turnaround to become a champion once again here. It is incredible. Mick, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's such a pleasure and privilege to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. I wanted to start. I mean, you're a three-time surfing world champion, right? And I'd love to know what you are most fond of from your surfing career. Um, poor. Is it one of yeah, those championships I, I, or? There, there were some, but I think it's um, more individual moments. Like, I guess, you know, a, a, a world title is something that, it's made of, of a whole bunch of moments um, and, you know, because it's it's not just one day you just go and win or you win a race, it's like over a whole year. So, But there's a whole bunch of different moments. I guess probably one that springs to mind first is um, in 2016, um, I went back to J-Bay and uh, ended up winning the event there. What a lot of people probably don't know is that I had a, a grade three high ankle sprain that happened 10 days before the event. And I just went, stuff it. I'm just going to surf through it, strap it up um, and just get on the anti-inflams and, and just push through. And um, that, that I went, I went back to J-Bay. This was the year after, um, you know, the shark incident. And I went back there with a purpose because I felt like I had unfinished business there. So that was a, an extremely proud moment for me. What else? Uh, oh, but obviously, yeah, world titles. Um, probably 2000 and the, the last day on 2013, that world title pipe was huge and um, extremely scary. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, was, I had two two moments where they were like, yeah, extremely clutch. I had to perform on these waves. It was the end of the heat, and just had to. Uh, perform otherwise my world title was pretty much done and um and yet as history shows i somehow kept my cool and and all that all the training came to those those two moments and that was um that was something where it's like wow I, i did that and yeah worked really hard to be present and be i guess in that moment, you know, we always talk about being in the moment, and uh, that was that was one of those oh, two in a row. Really, that being in the moment was uh, pretty special. So, um, yeah, we'll make that as three. That's amazing. I'm I'm always so interested to understand how athletes get in the moment because it is something that I think all athletes, regardless of what sport you choose, you aspire to do. You aspire to be in the moment, to be in the flow, to be in the zone. They're all the different descriptors. Like how, mm. especially after something like, you know, um, the the shark incident in J-Bay or, um, you know, having to handle that pressure or else you will lose that world title. How do you, 
is it practice? Is it, do you, do you train for that or is it just part of you and a part of who you are? Um, yeah, there's two ways of looking at it, I think. I think there's there's the moments when you don't expect it and you just go into that flow state or you're in the zone um, and you're just not thinking. Everything just comes together. You know, you, you walk down the beach and it's all just catered to you, like you, you feel like you're not even walking on the ground. You're just flowing through, and then you go out in the ocean, and and you don't think about the turns you're doing or the waves you're picking. They just it just happens. Mm. Um, you know, when you need the that wave to show up, it just shows up. Like those ones are sort of like they're a weird one where it's just like an anomaly almost. But then when it when it is on the line, and, and there is so much pressure, and there is um, so much you know, strain that you have to be in that moment. I think that's where practice comes in, mm. um, you know, and practicing mindfulness or practicing being uncomfortable, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. That's that's what you you work so hard throughout your whole career, and and I think those moments. I guess we just said before that that's when you become extremely proud because you know you've done everything that you've done up to that moment. You've worked really hard, and it's finally just come together, and it's just clicked. Mm. Um, so yeah, there, I, I feel like yeah, there's the two different ways of getting in the flow of the zone or being in the moment. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a funny it's a funny thing. We all wish we could be in it, mm. and the moment that we think we're in it, we're out of it. <laughs> so it's a. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's a wild, wild thing. Yeah, you actually uh, explain that really well because that's exactly probably the perspective that I've had. Like when you're in the moment, just it, it just comes and it's just really fun, and it's just like yeah. you're, you, it's just joyful. Whereas when the pressure is high and you've kind of come into it through that practice and training, yeah, that they're the moments that you become really proud of. I think that's a really great way of explaining it. Okay. So I am, I'm a surfing fan, but I can't say that I'm a fanatic. Like I don't know all the ins and outs of surfing. And so from like my kind of layman's perspective, I look at what you have done and I'm like, oh, cool. So to train for surfing, you just kind of go and surf around the world in all different <laughs> places. And I'm sure that would be really annoying to hear from people. But um, can you explain a little bit about your training? Because I'd love to understand because I know that that's not the case. I know that you would, there would, obviously there's an element of that, but there would be other things that <laughs> go into you your You nailed training. it. You nailed it. Perfect. That's all we do. <laughs> Just go to beautiful places, beautiful beaches all around the world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, no, pretty much that's what we do. Um, <laughs> so that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I guess that's what we used to do. Um, and then and then, as we got smarter, as we got more in tune with bodies and all that sort of thing, we started learning that we need to, to help progress our level of um, fitness or progress our level of, uh, what you say, almost performance, we had to add little things. And um, for me, that was the gym side of it. You know, everyone can go to the gym. Everyone can go and lift weights or get stronger in, in that sense. 
a big thing for me was was actually mindfulness training. It was mm. something that, um, you know, I guess in 2009 I was having this, I was just having this block where I just couldn't get through. Um, I was surfing, felt like I was surfing amazing, mm. but the decisions I kept making in, in heats and stuff like that just kept falling apart. And um, I got introduced to a, a guy by the name of Michael Gervais and he's a top leading like sports psychologist and he he's gave me some tools around like visualization and and um you know goal setting and stuff like that and it totally flipped totally flipped my whole year mm. i went from um you know not having such a great year in the first five events of the year into the back end of the year winning three out of the last five events so you know just adding little things here and there was incredible and yeah i think that that mindfulness training was that one one two percent that really helped me in those really gnarly situations but also um got me centered each day to go and, and surf and do my job so when it came to deciding to retire, how did you make that decision? How did you know it was time to stop competing? The real story? Or no? <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. I mean, you can make one up. That's cool too. <laughs> yeah, we can make one up. Um, wait, I've got some books over there. I'll make happy ending book. Um, no, I, um, I guess it sort of came in two parts for me. Um, at the end of... 2015, 2015 was a, just a shit year for yeah. me. Um, you know, I had, um, I had a marriage breakdown. I had, um, the shark incident. And then at the end of it, my brother passed away and I was just totally spent like my, mentally and, and, um, emotionally, I was just done. And so I spoke to, um, I spoke to my, the sponsors and I spoke to the WSL and asked if I could just have six months off just to get life back in order. And, and um, I was lucky enough that they all supported me in that realm. And I went and just did trips. Like I sort of, the way I explain it, my, my emotional state was just like an empty barrel. Like I had nothing, you know, when you just see like one or two drops at the bottom of a, mm. a barrel, that was, that was me. And I, I had to try and fill up that barrel. And um, so I just got to go and do surf trips and got to go and um, do experiences that filled up that fun barrier. And, and, um, and during that time, people asked me, are you going to come back? Are you going to come back? And, Part of me was like, oh, I don't know if I want to. Um, like, this is so much fun. And, yeah. And then I was chatting to my really good friend, Joel Parkinson, and he's like, come on, just do one more year with me, one more year. And um, and so I was like, okay, I'll do one more year. And and I think I, I think it was a third event in or or maybe even the second event in and um, of the new year, and I just was not having fun. I just felt like I was... I went back to a place where I just didn't enjoy it. Mm. And um, I was sitting in a car park in Western Australia and uh, I was waiting for the waves to come up and and um, I sat in this car park for four hours and it was the most beautiful day and waves elsewhere would have been absolutely amazing and I was just sitting there waiting for a 30-minute heat and I just went, I'm not doing this anymore. 
and that's it. And so I uh, surfed out the remainder of the year, and but I knew everywhere I went, it was the last time I'd go and compete in that spot. And um, it was a pretty good feeling, to be honest. Uh, I just was like, yeah, it was like a huge weight just lifted off my shoulders that just went, all right, I'm done. After the year that you had in, in 2015, I mean, that just must fundamentally shift the way that you look at life, surely, with, you know, going through major life events like a divorce and a, you know, near-death experience and then losing your brother. I, I mean, it just must have completely shifted how you thought about surfing and your life and where you wanted to go. Um, yeah, look, I, I feel like I had a pretty good look on life. Like I always try and take the, the good out of everything. I I guess I just, yeah, I, I always had this saying that there's always someone worse off. Mm. But and so I never needed help. But that uh, at the end of 2015, I needed help. You know, I couldn't be the rock for everyone else. And and um, you know, surfing's given me so much. It wasn't something I wanted to turn my back on. It was something that I just wanted to enjoy in a different realm. And um, and that's sort of how I got to that decision. But uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the the funnest year. But we all have peaks and valleys. Um, that's just life. And so having your support network, obviously, with your surfing mates and your family around you, I imagine that would have helped. Did you ever seek professional help other than your sports psychologist? No, I I didn't. I I guess, you know, I never went into a a psychologist thing just to talk about myself and um, I guess I I was – I felt like I had the tools to get get me through it, and that tool was just to do me. Um, you know, I always felt like I was almost there for a lot of other people in, in heavy situations and stuff like that. So I felt like I had the tools to deal with it. I just I just needed to give myself time to heal, and and um, that was that was probably the biggest thing. It's just time. Mm. Yeah, time and, and the space and yeah. enjoyment of, you know, probably one of your first loves, I imagine, going back to <laughs> surfing and travelling around the world in a different capacity. And no schedule. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, I, would, I, I felt bad. Like people would like try and tow me into um, things and be like, all right, um, oh, can we put you in on this day? Because they knew I wasn't on tour. They're like, can we put you on here and here and here? And I was like, look, you can put me in them. But if I'm not there, it means I've got something else I'm doing. So I'm a 50-50 chance I'm either there or not. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it it also um, made me sort of become a little bit selfish, which was, you know, I needed at the time. Mm. But I'm sure people would have respected that. But I do find it interesting because a lot of athletes I've spoken to crave routine and that's one of the things mm-hmm. that they miss when they sort of start to move on from from their sport, whereas you seem like you like the freedom of having a lack of routine and kind of making spur-of-the-moment decisions. Is that fair, fair and accurate? Very, very much so, yeah. Uh, I guess – with surfing, you never know when the waves are going to come mm. up. Um, you never know 
and you, you never know which location in the world that they're going to show up. And so that was the, that's why I never really just locked into dates. It was just like, okay, well, um, there's going to be waves in Africa or Indonesia. I'm getting on a plane mm. and I'm just going and, and going for the adventure. And, and, um, yeah, that was, that was something that I really, really enjoyed doing. Um, I guess it sort of all changed in the last sort of year or so where I couldn't get on a plane. Yeah. Um, and so I started putting a little bit of routine in. And, um, you know, I think, you know, becoming a new father and, and having my, my partner pregnant and all that sort of stuff, it was, I needed that routine a little bit. So I knew how to plan around it. And, um, it was a big learning curve, but, uh, I'm loving it. Like, you know, to, to know that every Tuesday I go swimming with my son, it's like, cool. That's that's fun, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm still I'm still one of those people that I don't plan to fight down the track. <laughs> Are you able to do that around Australia, or still obviously with COVID restrictions, you're kind of like, ooh, maybe. Oh no, yeah, um, you can still. Like we were pretty close to actually driving around Australia, but then all the borders shut, and so we just went, "Oh, well, let's just enjoy home." And it was uh, it was really different. I hadn't been at home this much since I was like sixteen, wow. and it was it was really cool. I had a, a really great year. And how how old your little boy Xander now? How old he? He just turned nine months. Oh, so yeah, so he's he's pretty fun. Um, you know, sort of, I feel a little bit more useful now <laughs> rather than those first six months where men are just, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty useless in that department. You're like, it's on a ball. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like what, what you women do is, is truly incredible. And, um, yeah, like the way their body changes and all that sort of stuff is, is so incredible. And I just sit there and just watch in amazement and, uh, yeah, try and do what I can when I can. Do you think you'll try and get him into surfing? Um, look, it's, it's one of those things. I, I guess you're probably in the same sort of boat where people are like, oh, it's definitely going to be a swimmer or, mm. um, and like he's around it. Um, but, I I want to, want him to make his own decisions. Of like, course. yeah, he's got he's got a surfboard already. He got one for Christmas. That's adorable. Uh, but I didn't, yeah, <laughs> and he just he loves it. He just crawls all over it, and uh, it's so much fun. But uh, yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's totally up to him. If he doesn't like it, that that's fine. I'll support him whatever he wants to do. Yeah, his chances aren't good that he won't be into surfing on some level, though. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, 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 we'll push him in. Yeah, <laughs> like you will come with me. So yeah. what do you do now post-surfing? I know that you dabbled. You had a little competition pretty recently. You went for a bit of a surf. Yeah, yeah, I went back into an event. Um, I was sort of, yeah, over the last sort of two years, I, I've sort of been working to get over a, a ACL injury uh, in the knee and and so that sort of was taking up a lot of my f- 
focus, you know, around surfing and stuff like that. But And then I wanted to just put an end date to it. I felt like it just kept dragging on and dragging on, like, oh, I'm not 100% here, I'm not 100% there. And, and I just felt like it was dragging on and I was just like, all right, I'm putting an end date to this. It's, um, it's going to be... I'm going to go and do an event. Um, the event that I did do wasn't the event that I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to go and do Bells, but unfortunately due to, um, you know, COVID restrictions, they couldn't run the event down there. But I was just like, look, it's now or never. I'm mm-hmm. going to go and do it and see how it go. But it was fun, but I know why I retired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is tough. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't come so easily as you get older. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think also it was more that I just didn't care about the result. Mm. And I think if you're in, if you're an, if you're an athlete, you've got to care about the result. Yeah. Otherwise, what's what's the point in competing, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. it's fun, but you can just go yeah. surfing. <laughs> Sometimes, like, would you go and train for days on end? Exactly. Um, just yeah. If, if you go and try and swim backwards, snap. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So what, what takes up your time now? Obviously you've, you've got your, your family and I'm sure you stay across what the, the surfing world is doing, but what, what kind of, how do you channel your energy now? Um, yeah, look, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. I still get paid to go surfing. I, uh, you know, with my sponsor, Rip Curl, they have a thing called the search where we just try and find waves that haven't been surfed. And, Amazing. Um, yeah, go to incredible places around the world. And so that's that's one side of it. And we just film it and have a great time while we do that. And then Red Bull, you know, we always see the amazing thing that Red Bull do with athletes. And um, so that's another great opportunity that I have. Like I'm trying to come up with crazy ideas and, and see if we'll get across the get across the table and uh, see if we can get um, something wild and wacky out there. So that's another one. Mm. Um, and, and then, yeah, just a bit of dealing with business stuff and, uh, yeah, just sort of keeping other sponsors happy really, just, uh, yeah, doing photo shoots. And I actually do a, um, a show up with the WSL um, called Getting Heated where we just debate surfing but. Yeah, I don't think many people listen to it, to be honest. <laughs> That's all right. No one will listen to this podcast either. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> you, you put content out there, you hope for the best. It's great. <laughs> I think I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm busy. Look at me. I'm shuffling papers. <laughs> That's exactly. been most of my life since re- retiring, so it's fine. <laughs> so um, I know that you did get, you dabbled in a beer company for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about? Yeah, that's a funny story. We, um, yeah, we started a beer company. Um, we, it was uh, one of my other friends on tour, B Derbage. We were flying to Hawaii for the end of the year and um, we're just in the, in the Qantas club and he was like, do you want to start a beer company? And I was like, okay. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what's the worst that comes out of it? You get free beer for life. Um, so, and uh, and then yeah, we we got a couple other mates. Um, Joel Parkinson was one of them. Um, Josh Kerr and and um, and then we pretty much just put like all our favourite people out of different like marketing and you know 
Uh, one of my good mates who used to be my rebel team manager, Ant McDonald, he became our CEO. And, and um, yeah, and we went through the whole process of starting a beer company. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going crazy now. It's um of producing so much beer, it's uh, it's pretty pretty incredible to watch. I just turned five, which is uh, crazy, and it's um, a very yeah, popular beer, Bolter. It's yeah. like it's yeah, super super popular. It's amazing. It, yeah, it's gone nuts. We we got lucky. We got a um, we got an incredible uh, brewer, and that was that was the key. Like so many people go out there, and our big thing was. Um, you know, we got all these surfers together and we didn't want to make this fat. It was like, oh, shit, beer. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that tastes yeah, like. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea. It's uh, like you get one buy and then they're like, oh, no, that's terrible. I won't ever do that again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We wanted people to come back and um, that was our, our our mantra from the start. And, um, yeah, our head brewer, Scott Hargraves, is incredible like once many awards and um yeah we're lucky that uh he yeah stuck with us and um just kept make keeps making incredible beer which is awesome so uh every time you go in there you get a new favorite beer yeah do you is it kind of fun to be able to have harebrained schemes you know and have an idea of something that you want to do and then being able to execute on that that must be very rewarding in a lot of ways yeah it's crazy um you know i guess you sort of, well i guess we're sort of lucky in the sense that people come out and they're they're like, oh, do you want to be a part of this or you want to be a part of that? But to start it from scratch, yeah. like we didn't know, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, it was uh, it was amazing, and to do it with friends was even better. And and um, yeah, like to to watch it grow, like from when we first started of going around and like deciding what beers we actually like to picking the space where the brewery was going to be. It was just like. This is this is nuts. Are we are we actually doing this? And um, to see where it is today, and the team that we have around it is just, yeah, it's one of those ones where you pinch yourself each and every day, and it's sort of like watching your your child grow, I guess. Yeah, grow and explore the world. It's like it's conquering. <laughs> <laughs> you've done good. <laughs> yeah, you've done well. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah. And I know you're also incredibly passionate about the. Um, volunteering uh, ambassadors ships that you do. I know um, you're a Starlight uh, Foundation ambassador. It, does that sort of work really, is that important to you to, to kind of give back to the community? I think so, yeah. I think like as I, I was talking about before, like always feel like there's, there's someone worse off uh, and, you know, if you can put a smile on, on their faces, you know, then that that as much as you, I think you get more enjoyment out of out of things like that. You know, seeing seeing someone smile because they've had a great time, or you know, in my case with the Starlight Foundation, I guess I try and grant wishes and take kids surfing, and and just to see the smile and enjoyment on their face after catching a wave, it's just like wow, like this is this is bigger than bigger than me. This is bigger. You know, and and so that's a that's a really big part of um, yeah. I think being 
being an athlete, but also just giving back and making sure that um, it's not always about you. Mm. How do you have that perspective though? Because it's such a it's such an unreal world that you've kind of lived in. Because you know, surfing on the world tour, it's magic and amazing. But how do you keep yourself grounded? And, um, and understand that there are people out there who are doing it really tough. I mean, obviously you've had incredible challenges throughout your life, but how do you keep yeah. that perspective? We well, get humbled by the ocean each and every day. Um, the, the minute you think that you're better than Mother Nature, she'll just slap you down. <laughs> and that's, what, that's the beauty of surfing. Um, and, but also, too, the, the places that we go, um, you know, a vision that always comes back to me was, uh, you know, you, you see kids that are entitled and, and you know, they've got all the brand-new soccer gear and, and they're not happy. And I see kids in Africa and they've got a Coke bottle. They're just kicking around a Coke bottle and having a game of soccer with a Coke bottle and they're having so much fun. And that to me is like you don't need all this stuff. It's just... You, you make life is what you make it, and so um, yeah, that's that's sort of my thing. Is like you know, I've been blessed. I've been lucky enough to you know build a home and and live extremely comfortably just from surfing. So I feel like you know I have to look at it as like it can be get wiped away so quick mm. and. Um, yeah, so I just try and take each day for what it is and just don't get down on the little things because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Mm. What do you feel like the hardest part of retirement has been for you? Probably the hardest part is you've, I guess as an athlete, you're always working towards a goal. You're always working to an end date and um you know, I guess when I first left the tour, all I wanted to do was just, I kept saying yes to all these different projects. I want to do this. I want to do that. A crazy idea will come up in my head. I'm like, let's go do this. And and then I had to start learning, like, they're not all good ideas, mate. Like, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Scale it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe pick one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, but, yeah, I think the hardest thing was just, not having an end date to work towards. That was, you know, you see results. Mm. That's the day that um, it's like the end. Um, What would your advice be to a surfer who is coming into that retirement phase of their life? Would there be any advice that you could give them? Um, Yeah, look, I guess it all depends on – I guess it goes for all athletes, really. It's it's about knowing the next steps and the the work ethic that you showed during your time as a professional athlete. If you can apply that in the real world, you're going to be successful. Um, and I think it's just yeah, we um, it's just been being smart and, and asking questions because it is a new world, asking people that you think are, um, I guess, successful in those worlds that you want to step into and because it's like 
starting again. Mm. Essentially, it is because as athletes, we started such a young age and you get to an end and it's like, okay, <laughs> now what? <laughs> we don't do anything else. Yeah, there's still so much of your life left to live and you just don't know where to go, yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, apply the same work, work ethic and don't be scared to ask questions. I think that's the biggest thing. And so what are you looking forward to now in the next few years? What, what's, what's kind of taken your fancy? Um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm sort of waiting for the world to open up again. Mm. Um, and I'd love to go and travel some more and, and definitely take the family to places that I've been and show them the world. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess at the moment just happy going surfing and um, being at home with the family, I guess that's the biggest thing. Um, I'm sort of in an extremely lucky situation where I don't have to go and do a nine-to-five. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, one of the lucky few, I guess. When you started surfing, sorry, I'm going back to the beginning now. When you started surfing, was it just, did you just love being in the water? Did you just love being in Mother Nature? Is that is that what drew you there the first time? No. Um, to, to be really honest, I loved soccer and I loved um, long distance running. Ah. And I was more, I was more into that. And um, funny story was I had just moved to the Gold Coast from Ballina and um, I went to go on to soccer signing at Palm Beach and, and um, got there. There's no one there. And I was like, oh, we went the wrong day. And, <laughs> um, and so I jumped back in the car and, and my brother was actually going down to Beach D-Bar um, to meet up with guys from Quicksilver to, to get sponsored for surfing. And, oh, wow. And, um, and I went surfing with him and I came in and the Quicksilver guys came up to me and I'm like, oh, I think you're looking for my brother, like thinking they knew me. <laughs> and, um, and they're like, oh, we'll sponsor you too. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I didn't even, yeah. And um, so I never went back to soccer signing. Um, Understandably. And, yeah. And um, slowly just started pushing um, soccer and long distance running out to the side and just focused on on surfing. And, um, yeah, from 12, that was my own goal. And I guess I was lucky in the sense that, Two of my best friends growing up, Dean Morrison and Joel Parkinson, were such a, you know, they were destined to be pro surfers. They were so good at such a young age. And and all I wanted to do was just surf with them. And, you know, I always looked at all the free stuff they were getting. I was like, this is amazing. Like, you never got that from soccer. And, <laughs> yeah, um, no, you were. <laughs> No, and then, um, and then, yeah, sure enough, uh, I just wanted to just beat them so bad, and um, and then they wanted to beat me, and you know, the, we just kept leapfrogging each other, and next thing we know, we're we're all top ten in the world, and it was just like it was it was uh, um, yeah a really special group of of friends to to go through that journey together, and um, yeah, just push each other to to the, the top of the world, so to say. Do you, do you think that's one of the reasons you you got to the top? Because I know that when I was swimming, we had the top three girls in the world in the 100 metres freestyle. And I just, I know that in Australia, I just knew that that's why 
that motivated me to be better every single day to, because to make the Australian team, I had to be better than those girls who are the best yeah. in the world. Do you think that rivalry and your friendship obviously pushed you to, to get to the heights that you got to? Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, without those two guys, I wouldn't be where I am today. No way. Um, yeah, I just wanted to beat them so bad. Like I go into events and as long as I was ahead of them in the rankings, I was happy. If I was behind them, I was just going into cyborg mode and just be <laughs> like, how do I beat these guys? <laughs> how do you manage that though if you're such good friends as well? How do you manage that? Um, is it a male thing just to be able to kind of like compartmentalise? Um, well, I knew they wanted to do the same as me. Like yeah. they wanted to beat me so bad. But but we sort of left it in the water. We left it all out in the water and and on, on land we're just like brothers. Um, you know, we would fight and wrestle and, and do all those things that brothers do. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, we always had each other's backs. We always supported each other in in everything that we did. So even still to this day, which is, um, yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Mick. It's, no worries. It's been, it's been such a pleasure to be able to talk to you and understand more of your story. And, yeah, it's been, yeah, amazing to chat to you. Thanks, Lib. And, uh, <laughs> yes, huge, huge fan of all the work you've done too. So, uh, yeah. You're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> honoured. I'm awesome. very honoured. Awesome. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mick Fanning. He is just an all-round awesome dude. And we're going to have some more very interesting conversations in the next few weeks. But make sure you like, subscribe and review. And otherwise, if you have any ideas about people you would like me to interview, um, could be anyone, any of our amazing retired athletes would be great. Make sure you slide into my DMs at All That Glitters Pod. Otherwise, have a lovely week. Bye.